You are listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, hosted and created by me, Imani, a researcher. This is the podcast for people who research people. In this episode, I have a conversation with Gabby. I'm Gabby Duncan. I'm a senior designer at Adobe, and I work on the future of video editing and how to bring that to the masses. Uh, before joining Adobe, I worked at Microsoft, uh, and before that, I actually worked in the film industry uh, as a video director and a cinematographer. Made my transition into product design through this job at Microsoft, and then moved over to Adobe. Gabby's background is a mix of film, tech, creativity, and storytelling. So it makes sense that she was able to creatively use social media when doing UX research. My conversation with Gabby will be about how she used social media to do research and the pros and cons of using social media in this way. In your career, you use Instagram stories for diary studies. Whose idea was it to use Instagram in that way? I did, yes. So I was working on my master's capstone project for University of Washington. Um, It was in the human-centered design and engineering program there. And for our capstone project, um, we wanted to explore different research methods that our team hadn't encountered in our day-to-day work as designers and, and PMs and researchers. So we wanted to try different and more innovative methods for gathering data from, from users. And one of my teammates, I think it was Kelly, uh, who, who works at Microsoft now on Xbox, she had this idea for using Instagram stories to capture um, to capture. What am I trying to say? (laughs) Using Instagram stories to capture data and insights from users uh, as part of a diary study. And you mentioned that you did this as part of your capstone for grad school, right? Which means that you weren't accountable to real world stakeholders like you would be at Adobe or Microsoft. So that probably gave you some more wiggle room to experiment and just try something different without too much pressure. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the reasons we actually, you know, with the capstone project, you had the option of going with a real world corporate sponsor to solve a real world problem or to design your own project. Uh, And our team, you know, we all had jobs working at technology companies and we wanted to try some things that were a little different, try some methods that were a little unique and more interesting. And um, and that was how we landed on using Instagram stories as this method to capture to capture data. And for this project, this diary study project that you use Instagram for, what were the research goals and objectives? Yes. So our our capstone project in general, we wanted to design uh, an experience for aspiring makers to to basically create non-screen based experiences. There's a lot of resources out there in the world for designing apps and websites and things like that. Uh, there's not as many resources out there for designing things that sort of sit at the intersection of the physical and the digital worlds. And this was an area that we were personally as, as members of our team had gotten really interested in through some of our classes and coursework at University of Washington. Um, we had some physical computing and prototyping classes and found that you know, there's, there's just not a lot of resources out there for makers to think about how to design experiences at that intersection of the physical and the digital. Um, and so we had, we did some research initially with our, you know, with our potential users to figure out their, their pain points, like what are aspiring makers feeling like are the barriers to entry, what kinds of resources and exercises would be helpful for helping them learn to design these kinds of what we called fizzy dig experiences. Um, and so the ultimate you know, the design outcome of all of that initial research was a toolkit that had, you know, some brainstorming exercises, um, 
had some some resources, had like physical parts lists of things to gather and, and really learn how to do physical computing. Um, so through the diary study, we wanted to test out how they were leveraging our toolkit and was it actually helping them sort of break that barrier to entry into creating these physical digital hybrid experiences. So the respondents to this research study, they had these kits, like these physical kits consisting of physical hardware, right? And then your team sent these kits to people for them to learn how to do physical computing. So we actually created the kits for the participants. So we, you know, the the way that this was all put together on the website, if anyone was going to participate in this project and if anyone wanted to get started, we had a parts list that was basically a pre-built set of here's what you need to leverage our resources. Here's what you need to learn from. Um, here's like a good starting point. Uh, but because that involves purchasing things and that's a lot of legwork to ask of our research participants, uh, we put these kits together for them and we sent them in the mail to them. And then we had them capture their experiences using Instagram to, to relate to us what they were, how they were feeling as they went through this learning experience. This kit consisted of different parts. What were they supposed to build? Was it a computer? What were they building with the parts? Um, a few different little prototypes. So, so we gave them, it was essentially Arduinos uh, and breadboards and little motors and things like that. And we had some mini projects in there to, you know, help them like change the color of a light. And, uh, you know, it was little micro, micro interactions and sort of micro physical computing things. But we were really trying to introduce the notion of like you have inputs and you have outputs and you can use those two things together to create physical digital hybrid experiences. So, but to do that, they needed to learn how to do the basic coding, how to hook up things on the breadboard, um, you know, and how to get the hardware and the software working together. In terms of timing, this happened during COVID, right? So this was originally supposed to be in person, but due to COVID, it had to be remote. Yeah, so we, you know, pre-COVID, we thought we were maybe gonna have people join together for workshops or things like that. And we were gonna watch them go through the resources and the exercises, um, but we couldn't be with them physically. And also this project, you know, what we ended up putting together was about 10 to 20 hours of material for them to go through. So that's quite a lot. And we wanted them to be able to do it at their own pace in the comfort of their own homes. And also because we couldn't observe them physically, it was a nice way to leverage a remote diary study. And how long did the study run? Uh, I think it ran, I believe it ran two or three weeks. Yeah. And how many participants were there? I know you said there were a lot of moving parts. How many people did you have? We did a very small number of participants. We only had four participants. Um, and that's something that if we were doing it you know, in the real world for our companies, we would probably scale that up a little bit. But for the purposes of this capstone project, we wanted to just really focus um, focus on what we could accommodate given our own bandwidth. And so we had four participants and that was good because we also had four teammates in our project. So we each were able to sort of focus our attention on one of our participants each. So I want to go back to the kit. So before collecting data, you created a kit for each participant and you talked about the fact that there were some parts, like as in physical parts in this kit, right? Um, what else was in this kit? Was there a guide? Were there questions and prompts? What else was in the kit? Yeah, so we had the physical parts. We also had some materials for some of the brainstorming and ideation exercises that we included as part of our project. So there were things like a deck of cards representing different inputs and different outputs for a physical system. Uh, and then we also came up with a guide for them, like instructions on how to use Instagram stories to 
communicate with us and share what they were thinking and what they were feeling as they went through this experience. Uh, so there were technical, technical resources for them just getting spun up on Instagram stories if they were not super familiar with it. And then also prompts. Uh, so as they were going through this experience, as they were creating these stories, we had a few prompts uh, for them to, you know, just a starting point to share their feelings and thoughts with us. And a critical part of diary studies is reminding your respondents to actually submit their entries. How did you remind people to submit their entries using Instagram? Yeah, so we we direct message them on Instagram, which I think the the communication via Instagram was pretty interesting, um, just from sort of a breaking down the barriers between researchers and participants. It felt like we sort of broke down these formal power structures, which sometimes maybe it's good to keep those boundaries in place. For ours, it was really nice to to try something different and to, and to push, um, kind of putting us more on equal footing with our participants and take some of the pressure off of them. So we reached out to them on Instagram to make sure that they were capturing their feedback. If we hadn't seen a, a story from them in the past couple of days, um, we checked in with them on, on the messages there. And usually um, with Instagram stories, right? I'm not an Instagrammer, but I know that the stories, they disappear after a certain point, right? So how did you save the submitted stories? Yeah, so that was one of the tricky points logistics-wise for this research uh, that would have made it a little bit hard to scale and something we want to consider in the future if we do a larger scale version of it. But because stories disappear, uh, we basically had to check them pretty frequently. We did have them tap. We had an account for our project called FizzyDigge. And so every time they posted a story, we said, hey, make sure you tag us. So we get a notification that you've posted a story that has tagged us in it. Um, once we got that notification, we would check out their story and we would screen record it just using the native screen recording software on our devices um, and then save that movie file to our research repository so we could review it again later. How did you and your team synthesize and analyze all of this data? Was there a spreadsheet with sentiment data? What did you have? How did you make sense of all of this? Yeah, so every time they posted a story, um, we each went through, if it was our participant, we each went through and we looked at what they said. We captured the sentiment. We also made notes of, you know, things like stickers that they were using that expressed a certain emotion because Instagram stories has a lot of rich metadata associated with it. You have video content, you have the audio of them potentially narrating their experience, you have text that they can put on screen, you have stickers and GIFs that they can put on screen. So there's a lot of richness in the data, which was one of the reasons we wanted to use this to do a diary study. Um, and so we just, you know, captured that feedback, captured the overall sentiment, and tracked that in a spreadsheet. Was there a follow-up with the group? Yeah, so after this all wrapped up, we got all four of the participants together uh, on a Zoom call, and we just had them talk through their experiences overall. And also, we had them reflect on the experience of using Instagram stories as a method for you know, capturing their feedback through this diary study. Um, so we were able to get some learnings, both on the actual capstone project, but also on the research method that we used, because we wanted to learn from this research method for us in the future. If you are an aspiring or current UX researcher who needs help with your resume, professional brand, interview skills, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, and portfolio, consider applying for the Yizzy Research Coaching Program. Coaching clients exit the program with a refreshed resume, cover letter, research portfolio, and detailed notes to make them more competitive in the UX research job market. If you are interested or know someone who is, visit yizzyresearch.com to learn more and apply. That's Yizzy Research, Y-Z-Z-I, research.com. 
Yeah, using Instagram is such a novel idea to me for UX research, although it makes a lot of sense as I'm listening to you talk about that. I I can't believe I didn't think about that, (laughs) right? Like, because the research artifacts basically created themselves, right? Or at least what the participants created, and this probably made, that probably made the readout easier. It probably made, like, data collection and presentation easier. So that's really a clever way to use that. Yeah, I think that low friction documentation was really useful. And, you know, they already have their phones with them. These participants were already familiar with Instagram. They already have their phones with them most of the time. So that, you know, it was a very low friction way for them to quickly, you know, document their experience and share it with us without a whole lot of overhead, which was really useful. How did you recruit these participants? Because obviously they would have to have comfort with Instagram, right? Um, and have some kind of capacity to figure out how to put together this the items in this kit. How did you find these people? Yeah, so we reached out to other students in our capstone project and through University of Washington. So it was you know a little bit of snowball sampling just to try and ask you know who knew someone who might be interested in this. Um, I would say the the rigor by which we recruited participants, we were optimizing for people who, who used Instagram, who were familiar with the tech, who were aspiring makers in the space. Um, and part of that was just because we really wanted to learn from this research method and we really wanted to, to try out something new and make sure that we were set up for success uh, as part of the learning on our capstone project. And how did your team consider the fact that some of the target population was not on Instagram? How did you account for that? Yeah, so I think that's one of those ones where in the real world, you know, if this were not for a capstone project, we would have to, well, we just have to figure out if that's a trade-off that we were okay making. Like, was the method itself enough of a, was the research method itself for the diary study an exclusionary factor for the filter criteria? Um, That's a trade-off we'd have to discuss in the real world because we were doing this as part of our capstone. You know, like I said, we wanted to just try out this method. So we self-selected for participants who, uh, could use this method alongside us to help us try it out. Yeah, and that's one of the wonderful things too about doing research in a more experimental academic setting as opposed to like in a corporate environment is that it doesn't always have to be so rigorous. You can just do things just to try, right? Yeah. So that's that's that speaks to that too. And this was an unmoderated study during the COVID time, right? But how did you provide support for participants? So did you do emails? I know you mentioned Instagram DMs to um, communicate, to remind them to actually complete the diary study. How, how else did you provide support for them? Yeah, most of the communication and support happened through Instagram. So if they ran into roadblocks as they were working through some of our modules, they reached out to us on Instagram and we helped them troubleshoot um, I think once we had, you know, we set up a Zoom call with one participant to really get into the details, it was something that couldn't really be communicated very well over Instagram. Um, but in general, we use the platform to to communicate with our participants for all parts of this research and, um, yeah, and help them troubleshoot. And also the fact that we had to help them troubleshoot in certain circumstances was data in and of itself because it helped us realize that part of our project was maybe not super clear and needed needed some fixing. Yeah, when you create a research study, it's always really clear to us because we made it. But then when it's released in the wild, your actual participants are like, what do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you had to do some troubleshooting um, on Instagram with participants. What challenges did participants have when using Instagram for this study? I think the main pain point that we heard from that final recap with all the participants was some of them weren't aware that they could have created private stories. And so they were blasting this 
research to everyone that they knew on Instagram. And they felt like they were sort of spamming, spamming their community with content about Arduinos and physical computing and prototyping. Uh, so I think, you know, making it clear, clearer to participants up front that there were strategies by which they could send us private stories would have alleviated some of that concern. Though one participant did say, you know, hey, I, I didn't know I could make it private, so I made it public. And it turns out that someone, when they were posting about the trouble they were having, someone totally random from their community, totally unrelated to this project, who did know a lot about Arduinos, you know, checked in with them and was like, oh, have you tried, have you tried this and that and actually helped them solve their problem. So um, that community engagement, you know, it, it happened and surprisingly it did have some positive outcomes, but I think uh, making sure participants knew they could do it privately would be useful in the future. Yeah, I wonder if that community engagement example, if we were to apply that to a more corporate setting, I wonder if that would work, right? Like, would that interfere with the integrity of the study or would it actually help having people? I don't know. That's an interesting thing to think about, too. Yeah, I feel like it just depends on the context of what you're studying and who you're who you're studying it for. But, you know, it could be a value. It could be a value add. It could be a detriment. I think it just depends on the context of the research. Instagram yields such rich artifacts right with the stickers and the audio do you think that the stickers and the audio from instagram helped bolster the insights and if yes in what way yeah absolutely i mean so the the main reason we wanted to try instagram was just when we considered other methods for capturing sentiment and, and feedback from our participants you know, we're like oh we could have you know a google docs or a form they could fill out and it just it didn't lend itself very well to expressiveness and richness of qualitative data and, and yeah, Instagram has all of these things. They have video, they have audio, they have stickers and GIFs and text. So there's just a lot of expressiveness built into the platform. The rich expressiveness provided by them just talking through their problems live as they were trying to solve them. Um, and then which stickers they used, you know, they had when they did something right, they had like a celebration GIF. And when they did something wrong, they had, you know, a little hand on the head frustrated GIF or sticker. Um, it helped us, you know, understand in a more nuanced way, how they were feeling. Um, you know, emojis and stickers communicate a lot more through their tone than sometimes you write when you're actually writing things down. And lastly, if you had to use Instagram stories again for a diary study, what would you do differently? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I would want to come up with a way to make it a little bit more scalable, um, you know, in terms of capturing the content, it'd be nice to set up some automated processes to make sure that we didn't accidentally miss someone's story and have it disappear because that was a lot of pressure and we felt like we had to be on all the time. Um, so if there's a way to sort of automate the, the collection of the data, that would be useful and make sure it always gets piped through to a repository. I think maybe just like a little more structure in the prompts would be useful. You know, we had some prompts, but I think checking in with them and actually saying, hey, why don't you why don't you specifically think about this question today? Or why don't you specifically tell us how you're feeling about this particular thing? Um, you know, it might help frame the data that we got back and, and give us just a little bit, a little bit more. I don't always think of research as creative, but Gabby proves otherwise. I think using Instagram speaks to resourcefulness, flexibility, and creativity. And those are qualities we can all use more of, especially as researchers. Thanks for listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, the podcast for people who research people. I'm Imani, the host and creator. Visit yizzyresearch.com for podcast show notes and information about my UX research coaching program. Again, that's yizzyresearch.com, Y-Z-Z-I research.com. This podcast was produced by Whisper and Mutter. <laughs>